Welcome to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. I am very happy that this show is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, like Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix Rod, the best rods on earth in Iowa. They've got your bass covered. Thank you, Iowa. My first guest today is going to be Dan Johnson. Dan and I are going to be talking about observations while fishing, whether that's wildlife or whether it's weather. Changes that will help you put more fish in the boat. My next guest will be Mark Hansen. He's a pro staff for St. Croix, but many high school and college students are asking how to be a good pro staffer. How do you become a pro staffer? When you get there, what do you do for them? What are they going to do for you? He's going to answer those questions. And then Ron Nelson, Angler of the Year in Major League Fishing Tackle Warehouse Invitationals, will be on the program to talk about his journey. This segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I'd like to welcome back Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. How's it going, Dan? I'm good. Always good to talk to you. We always uh, both learn from each other and... Uh, I think that's that's the fun of doing this segment together, but I think we both have always learned from wildlife observations and our surroundings while we're in the boat or on the bank or on the pond or on the stream, wherever we're at, our surroundings help us be more successful. They do in so many different ways, and this is a, a giant topic because it's observing, of course, what we're trying to harvest or or in the fishing sense, catch, and then on the hunting side, harvest. So we're observing our actual quarry, but then we're also observing, you know, what they're feeding on. Um, we're observing what's predating on them. We're observing the lunar phases, for example. Moon phases is an extremely important thing. Understanding, you know, look at what the moon does to the tides. Look what, what look what moon phases do to spawning fish, right? Yeah. So there's all these things in this bucket that take place, but it is incredibly important. And I think it starts with education, understanding, number one, what are you chasing? What is it feeding on? What is feeding on them? How do they relate to certain water conditions? Uh, you know, what's the, what's the barometer? Did it storm like crazy? Is the water coming up? Is it a full moon? Whatever. Once we understand all of that, then it's a matter of seeing it and feel it, making adjustments. And if we think the fish aren't shallow, because the book says they're not supposed to be, but we see herons standing on the points and turtles on the top of the logs, and you see bait flying out of the water in two foot, that's the time to put the book away and go fishing. Yeah, Because you're observing something that's obvious happening going right on in front of you. And, and there's so many aspects to that where I think all anglers should take special attention to noticing and what's going on around them more than just casting out, presenting the bait, fishing back, hoping for a bite. Um, and there's so many things you can observe as the moth's starting to grow on stuff. Do you hear those little pop, pop, pops back in the pads, which are bluegills? What, what, and if they're up there doing that, where do you think the bass, what part of the water column are they in? If you can actually hear them doing it. And these are things that, and there's a million examples, but I think it's, it's really important. And it kind of puts that whole umbrella over 
being successful in fishing and understanding all of the surroundings and what's going on at that moment more than just what you're trying to catch, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense because, like you said, in the spring, we know that the fish are moving to these flats to spawn, moving to areas to spawn, uh, or in the wildlife case, when the rut is or when the migration of the ducks and the geese and all that are going to be. But, But in this time of year, I think observing what you're trying to accomplish is probably more important in the summer and the fall than the spring because these fish can do almost anything they want. They're looking for food. They're looking for cover. They're looking for comfort. There is no rules that say all of these fish are going to spawn sometime in the next two, three, four weeks. That goes out. So I think the observations become so much more important. Well, we've talked about this before. You can take a big lake and there's fisher in four or five different patterns on the same body of water. And one of the best examples I can give from personal experience just last year, down at the Lake of the Ozarks, the big shad allegedly were not supposed to be on the bank yet. And obviously that's a really good thing when they get on the bank. And then I'm in the, I'm in way in the back of a creek. I was flipping and it was hard targets because the big bat shad were not supposed to be on the bank yet, which takes me to rock. And all and there's a heron standing back there, and this is why I went there. And he goes down and spears this thing and pulls out about an 11-inch gizzard shad. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, well, these guys either didn't say the right thing or that was the only one back there. But I'm going to throw the book out the window and went back there and threw a great big swim bait and caught two really good ones where I, where I didn't think or heard they should be. And it, maybe it was that one cove. I can't remember whether it was the north or side, you know, the south side of it, so sun exposure or whatever. The all I care about is I saw that bird pick that thing up, and it it pretty much went against everything I'd been told. But when you see it happen, instead of just saying, "Oh, that was cool, that bird grabbed a minnow, let's keep fishing," no, you know what? He grabbed that minnow, and look at the size of that minnow, and that's the size of minnow I'm trying to target because that's what the big bass are feeding on. So it's that's just one example. You know, there's so many times where I was up on a Wisconsin lake two years ago, and I could see crayfish on the bottom, but not only that, I could see that they were just, they were shooting off the bottom so fast they'd leave a cloud of smoke. I mean, like all of them were, and it was really bizarre. It was like an anomaly. I'm like, this is weird. So I backed off, put on a little tiny jig. Dave, I've talked to you about this jig mm-hmm. in the past, and I threw it in there, let it sit for five or six seconds, and just stroked that rod tip so fast it was almost an exaggeration, and they started crushing it. Now, I could have got lucky imitating what I saw on the bottom, or it was one plus one plus equals two, and that's what I think it was. Those smallmouth were keyed on that super aggressive crayfish movement. Why they were doing it, I don't know. It was like the perfect storm, but that told me how to fish that bait. And that was another example, and I never would have known that if I wouldn't have actually seen them doing it down around boat docks and watching them. And they were, every dock I'd go to, I was seeing them do it. That was, It was really weird, but... All the little things we can notice, it directly affects how you present the bait, where you set the boat up, how shallow you are, where the fish are in the water column. A lot of that's observing the surroundings. Yeah, and and I think for both of us, that's part of the fun, is figuring it out and watching and observing. And and there's, there's another reason why, you know, pros or cons on looking at your electronics only. I think it needs to be a combination. Use the the latest, greatest tools that are available, but also use the common sense tools that we have of observation. 
Yeah, and I've been very blessed to have known a few people in my life that have had that, I call it that sixth sense or that it factor. One of them's a very, very young guy, but very few people, I can count them on one hand, that have that at a level that I'll never have it. And it's so cool because I have that to a significant degree, humbly speaking, probably better than most because I'm an avid hunter as well. But there's some people I've met that just have that. It's just surreal. I, I believe it's a gift. And it's it's that intuition and that connection to surroundings where people will make a comment or they'll pick something up and it takes you like five minutes to figure out why they're all of a sudden crushing them. And you ask them and they explain it to you and you're like, wow. And it can be the littlest, tiniest nuance that they're just dialed on. But I think all of us mortals can kind of get our head around the concept and, you know, understand the fact that the more we, number one, have knowledge of what are they feeding on, what's feeding on them. I'm talking about fish here. You know, how do they react during certain moon phases and certain things? And how does how does wind direction or how does the barometer affect insect activity, for example, is a huge one, right? Or all of these, if we understand that, then it's up to us to observe what's going on because, man, this master plan deal, it can change all the time on every lake at any given moment. And if we see something happen before our eyes, it can trump what anybody told you before or past experience or what the fishing book says. Absolutely. And that's a huge, huge tell on becoming a successful angler is it makes you much more adaptive. Yep, there is no doubt about that. And and the smaller the body of water, the less changes there are going to be to it. I mean, a small farm pond, but like like you said, a big impoundment where you found those shad spawning in the back, you know, three or six or 25 miles down on the opposite side, on the south instead of the north, the weed growth could be two weeks difference. The spawn can be two weeks difference. There can be so many different different places. But I think if you if you go out there and... What we want people to do is be aware that it is different and that you can kind of figure this out by observing. It can help them tremendously. Yeah, just stay observant. You know, uh, real quick one, too. We had boats running up and down this riprap. It was a busy Saturday. But every time the boats would run down the riprap, the waves would rile them up and they'd start blowing up for a minute. So what do we do? Fire up the boat and run down the riprap, turn around and start fishing it and start catching them. Another classic example. I mean, when it went slick, you couldn't catch them, but a boat would go by and the waves would go on the rocks and you'd see a spotted bass blow a shad out of the water. And that, that was, it would not have happened if we would. And that's, that's the kind of thing that, to be honest with you, took me decades to learn to get pretty good at, but I still am in my infancy stage at that level that some people are at. And I, I would call out the... You know, the Brian Thrifts of the world and the Jacob Wheelers of the world and those guys at that level, they have that where where it's, it's that intangible it factor that just puts them at another level where they go anywhere in the country and adapt to the current environment and just seem to catch them all over the place. And I'm just convinced they have that extra gear in that area to help them figure things like that out. It's something we should all aspire towards. Absolutely. That was a good tip you gave about the wakes. I've seen it happen about four or five years ago on the Potomac River. I saw a guy come in, and before he came to fish a spot, he did two big loops, threw the biggest wakes he could at, the, at a slower speed, started fishing. 
And not only did they fire him up for him, they fired him up for me. And I learned that and I and I hadn't been doing it. I had been using the commercial boats going by when I'd notice I get hit, but I didn't cause it. But great tip that you gave to the guests. Dan Johnston always gives great tips and I look forward to talking to you next week, my friend. Dave, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. And this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is Sunline. And my favorite lines to use is Sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, ready. sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. Iowa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool, as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system, gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection. St. Croix. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say everybody I have on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. And the reason I'm having the next guest is there's a lot of people that want to have a passion for the outdoors as pro staffers. I have a lot of high school and collegiate kids that are coming to me and saying, how do you get on pro staff? My friend Mark Hansen has been on pro staff for St. Croix for a long time, and we're going to banter back and forth about uh, some tips for high school and collegiate kids. How are you doing, Mark? I'm great today. Yourself? Oh, real good. And uh, pro staffing, uh, so many people think uh, the first question is what I'm going to get. I think that's the wrong oh. thing for them to think, isn't it? Absolutely. It's what am I going to give? Yeah. And uh, the big difference is you have to be presenting. It's like a privilege and, and, and an honor to put on your, your sponsor's logo. For me at St. Croix, when I put that logo on, I am absolutely an ambassador and have to just elevate against everybody else about what is the value of our brand and what is the connection with with a person, and a, with an angler, and making sure that they feel that, that passion, that warmth, that connection to the customer that, that your parent wants you to have. Um, and, uh, that's, that's the biggest difference. And, and if you have that passion, you bring it to it, your customer feels like, wow, there's, there's somebody out there in the marketplace that cares about me and wants to make sure that they can connect and, and put what's the value of the, of, you know, in this case, St. Croix's offerings into your hand. 
and and make it real for me. And so it takes effort, it takes enthusiasm, and it, it takes knowledge. But you bring those three together in in, uh, in a good package, and and it's a compelling experience. And that's that's what your your parent, if you will, or your sponsor should uh, should be challenging you to deliver. Yeah, and and what you're doing, you're a, you have a marketing position. It's about mm-hmm. selling product for them. There's no sugarcoating it. It's about selling product. That's why they have have people on their pro staff to represent them well, to do a good job, to be informed. And I always tell people, pick, don't just pick the ones that are going to give you a discount or give you this or give you that. Pick the ones first that you believe in, you have a passion for, you already use their product, you already know mm-hmm. about their product. What they don't want to see is a photo of a bass on your phone that you caught in some tournament. What they want to see and know from you is how knowledgeable are you about their product and what what can you do for them? Absolutely. I, it's it's the big challenge on this is, uh, and again, I, I think a lot of people go into it looking for a discount or, or looking for some sort of benefit to them personally. And I just feel that's looking through the wrong end of the telescope. Uh, it's easy to do, and, and particularly for the younger folks that are kind of coming into this and building their career in the outdoors, whether it's fishing or what have you, understand the value that your sponsor would give to you as a relationship with a customer. So you have to be thinking long-term, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, how do I help build that relationship with my potential customers that, that my sponsor wants? Um, and there's a lot more to it than that. I mean, we go through, you know, weekly web, uh, webinars and so forth. What I do um, as part of my job is I spend a lot of time in stores, uh, even when I'm not engaged there and I'm, I'm looking at the product that we've got uh, displayed, I'm talking with the people on the show floor uh, and I'm, I'm or on the, you know, the, the retail store floor and taking every opportunity to reiterate to them the messages that are important about the various inquiry products that we have. And really, my job is to be a force multiplier, the people that sell our product and the people who buy our product. Um, and that's, it's not a one-time thing. It's not slapping a, a label on the side of the boat. It's every time I'm out there, uh, in front of somebody where I could be influencing a purchase decision, I want to make sure that I'm pushing the value and, and kind of the ethic, if you will, of the St. Croix brand. Absolutely. And, and here's another advantage I think a lot of these, um, high school and collegiate students have is social media is so huge out there. And so many of these kids, they, they, they're in high school and they have a, a social media platform. Mm-hmm. That's great. You want to share that with your sponsor and show them how many mm-hmm. people are watching what you're doing and what a great way to, to get the, uh, the names of sponsors or mm-hmm. potential sponsors out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and the one thing about social media, though, just like you said, everybody's got one. And, and there's just this flood of information, uh, you know, images, videos, and so forth on all the social media platforms. The real key is how do you differentiate? How do you take something intrinsic to you as a person and combine that with a brand that you're representing and make it stand out in the minds of the customer? And, you know, I'm, I'm an old-fashioned guy who doesn't mind standing on a booth in a, in a trade show floor and whatever else and shaking hands and, and talking to people. And I know that's not a you know, real common popular thing. So I leverage that about myself uh, when I'm in those kind of events and, and uh, kind of a natural storyteller in a lot of ways. So when I'm engaging with customers, uh, it's, I'll tell a story and I'm going to evoke a story about you and try to create that mental ownership of seeing themselves picking up and becoming a St. Croix customer as opposed to, well, I just saw a picture. Um, so the, 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 the real focus is how do you differentiate yourself, your intrinsic capabilities, bring that together with your brand and be compelling. 
Yeah, and that's an absolute great point to bring up for these youngsters that they don't they don't have the face to face experience that you and I have had being in retail, working shows, working for as pro staffs on show floors. Uh, so much of there has been social media, but mm-hmm. the value of the face to face is still there, and the mm-hmm. personal attention that you can give to a customer or a potential customer telling them about your product is they need to do that. They need to do in-stores. They need to do do the uh, sports shows. And these are all requirements most of the uh, companies will ask of you. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I would, I would just say do whatever they ask if you really want to make it work and, and learn from what they teach you to help you add uh, to your pro staff list. And you're going you're gonna to learn skills as you go along. And I, I just think it's a great sales tool no matter where you end up in the world. Maybe you're not going to be a professional fisherman there, Kevin Van Dam. But if you end up in sales, this will help them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I don't, I don't want to say it's not just about social media and it is, but it's also taking that pref that, that practice of where you're at when you were taking that real uh, video or where you're taking the pictures and you're posting and so forth. There's almost always people around you. This came from a, you know, from a tournament or, or some other sort of outing and so forth. And how do you leverage the people around you and how do you reach out and connect with the people around you there? If, if you're a college angler, last I checked, there's a lot of students. Yeah. Right. And, and how do you how do you grow? Use the leverage, uh, leverage your brand, leverage your capabilities, your passion for the sport to grow your school's fishing team make more customers uh and and how do you leverage uh and increase the the perception of your team's uh presence against other teams in big tournaments and whatever else right so it's it's really all these things are vehicles for you but they're not the end-all be-all it's uh, it's one of the vehicles that you can use to uh increase the perception of the brand that you represent through your sponsor yeah, and I think one of the advice uh, I've seen, you, we both have seen this uh, on the show floors, whether it's at a Bassmaster Classic or a, a Red Crest or on a, a sports show in Chicago, wherever we're at, mm-hmm. uh, the high school students or college students come through and they've got shirts and some of them might have 50 mm-hmm. logos on it because they gave them a bag of plastics. But I, I always kind of reach out and talk to the ones that only have six or eight sponsors or logos on their shirt, and I think that's because they've selected the ones they wanted. These kids get it. It's not a numbers game. It's a quality right. game. That's what they want. Right. Yeah, it's, it's easy to have lightweight connections and relationships that don't mean anything. You're trying to build that lifelong relationship where your customer is thinking, this is my rod. This is my rod. Right. I'm a St. Croix customer and any and every time I'm looking for a new rod for a new technique or whatever else, I'm going to go to St. Croix first. Right. And that's that's the goal that you're trying to create is the value of that relationship. And uh, you're, you're trying to become sticky. Right. With uh, in the minds of your customer, whether it's your rod, whether it's your real manufacturer, plastics, hooks, whatever else. Right. Uh, trying to create just an uh, I'm going to go there first and I'm going to have to find something else that would. Well, only would, if St. Croix doesn't have exactly what I'm looking for, would I not buy from them? Um, so that's that's really the challenge, is to build a very deep, very sticky, very persistent relationship in the minds of your customer uh, with their sponsor. Absolutely. And uh, no matter who you guys and girls end up working for as a pro staffer, have passion for it, believe in the product, and, and work 
your tail off for them because it's going to do you well going forward in this industry. It's a small industry. That's why I asked Mark Hansen to come on because he is professional. He has done a great job. And uh, I'm sure it won't be the last time we have you on, Mark. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, Dave. Always a pleasure. Oh, no problem. That was Mark Hansen, pro staff from St. Croix Rod. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back after these messages. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle, to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Iowa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and today I want to welcome my next guest. Ron Nelson has just won Angler of the Year on the Tackle Warehouse Invitationals. Welcome to the program, Ron. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's uh, a pleasure to be on. Oh, you know, glad to have you here. And this is not your first uh, Angler of the Year. In 2020, I believe it was, you won uh, in the Tackle Warehouse before it became the Invitationals. Yeah, yeah, I was really blessed uh, to have secured uh, an angler year title back in 2020 during the, the strange times of uh, COVID and schedule changing and all that kind of stuff. And so to get a second uh, AOY has uh, been really exciting and really cool, I guess you'd say. It's been a real kind of surreal, you know, because it's hard to do it once and to, to do it twice is, I'm like, wow, it's really, really I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and you should be. Every professional angler that I have talked to ever said that you can win one tournament, you can have everything come together, you can have a, a good set of days, whether that's two days, three days, four days. But angler of the year means you're consistent all the time, and it's not easy to win. And and everybody covets that more than a single win. Yeah, I mean. It's kind of like when you're running the race, you don't really realize what you're doing until the race is over and you can stop and reflect. And that's exactly it. I mean, it takes, you know, I think our circuit had six tournaments, so it takes 18 days of good fishing, consistent fishing, to uh, have a shot at it. Yeah. Even, even if you don't get that uh, that title, you know, I mean... I mean, this year was tight. I mean, Michael Neal was right there waiting for me to slip up. And uh, at lacrosse, I just didn't uh, fish really clean the first two days and left the door open. And, you know, 
gave him a chance to uh, to catch him, and you know, he, you know, lucky for me, he didn't. But uh, you know, it's just you got to catch him consistently. So that title for me is a big deal. I mean, it's a you know, I'd love to. I've not had a, a first uh, win yet at the uh, Pro Tour, so. This year I had three top fives fishing the Pro Tour, event, you know, the Tackle Warehouse. Yeah. So I felt like I had a, a lot of chances to win, you know, so I'm looking forward still to my first win. But the angle year is definitely a special deal for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite way that you like to catch them? Or do you go to so many diverse bodies of water, or do you just adapt to what works on those those places? No, you definitely have to adapt. I mean, it's all about adapting by the day, it's ad- about adapting by the hour during the tournament because so many times we all pre-fish hard, you know, go out and scout these lakes and try to figure out how to catch these fish, but we all know as fishermen, the conditions change so quick, and if you're trying to catch them how you caught them yesterday, you probably won't catch them, you know, and so I really have to, uh, you know, really be willing to be diverse with uh, the, the mind side of it, you know, be willing to scrap what you're doing and try something different. That's you know that's led to a lot of success for me. So, I mean, this year's schedule was tough. I mean, to fish those big bodies of water like Clark's Hill and you follow Oklahoma. I mean, never been there before, so they're, the places are huge. And to have three days practice and to walk away with a top five finish was really special. Absolutely. I, I- Three days of practice. I was going to ask how many days they gave you, and that's that's the official practice. Is there a is there an off period that you can go prior to that to find out what you know about these waters or see what they are? Yeah, there is. There's a um, I want to say it's thirty days before the official practice starts. The lake closes. Okay. So you could you could go pre scout, but I, don't, I never did. I just got too much going on, and just you show up for that three days of official practice and try to figure out what's happening currently and you know I, I just i don't know how it worked out the way it worked out but lord willing and i feel really blessed that you know it's turned out the way it has this last year absolutely do you have a preference uh, of large or smallmouth or do you like catching both oh i love catching both i mean small can break your heart a lot faster than a largemouth can but they're they're both you know super exciting to catch Break your heart getting off or break your heart because you found them and then they leave? <laughs> Both. Yeah. You know, there's smallmouth, you can find a big, you know, big school of them and they will leave you, you know, and so, but also break your heart because they can tend to jump, you know, a lot, you know, they <laughs> jump, you know, more times than not, it's like, oh, hi, and then it's bye, <laughs> you know. Yeah. They're, they're fun. I mean, but I do love largemouth, you know, a lot, and I love to fish the, uh, the heavy cover form as well. You know, so we started off the season on Okeechobee, which was a lot of fun, you know. It's definitely a special lake. Yeah, yeah, all the places you get to travel to uh, around the country, and um, th- that's part of it, too. A lot of people don't realize what the professional anglers put into the, the travel and you have to stay somewhere and you have to get nowhere to get the gas and where to eat and all that stuff that that's a factor in in professional fishing isn't it you know it is i do want to give a shout out to um rich lewinsky and john Voyles. they were my travel partners this year on uh, on tour and, and that really helped because rich and john they usually did the booking of the lodging so that was one less thing for me to have to worry about and they always would pack and bring some meals for us as well so a big thanks to those guys because it is a, 
a big deal when you're gone away from your wife. I'm gone. I'm married, and my wife stays home most of the time. And to be gone from her, and you know, to be out of your house and out of your element, it helps to have a couple roommates you get along with well, and that you can uh, enjoy the season with. Yeah, and anymore, I don't think it used to be like that. But anymore, especially the last four, five, six, ten years. A lot of people have two or three or four guys that they travel with. They run a house, Airbnb, whatever they're going to do. And and that seems like you have more eyes watching the equipment because that can be an issue. You're staying in the same spot. You guys are all in the same mindset. So you're, you know, you can stay focused easier, I think, traveling with other people. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's where, like, you know, when I talked with Rich at the beginning of the season, you know, him and John have been good friends for a long time. They actually kind of practice together and stay together and so you know i said hey i don't need to be a part of like your information sharing you guys are a team when it comes to that but i'd love to you know lodge with you guys you know and let you guys continue to do your own thing and so it worked out great because i just tend to you know i'm so used to doing my own thing you know on, on the water and you know that i, I definitely would talk fishing with them but Fishing changes so fast. You hate to talk fish with somebody, then you're like, oh, I, you know, I, I thought this way in practice, but then I caught this way in tournament. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it does. It does change. And uh, you're you're 37 years old. You said. No, I'm 48. 48. Okay, where did I get 37? Yeah. I was going to say, boy, I, I'm trying to give you 11 <laughs> years. Um, I wish I was 37, but no. I saw that somewhere in print on one of the press releases. So they're they're mistaken a little bit, aren't they? Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> Why not? So 48. And, I, look, I look 37. That's what it is. That's what it is. You look 37 and obviously <laughs> fishing like 37. What do you think about all these new young guys coming up in college and high school? And there, there's a lot of really good ones that are fishing on, on circuits today. There are. And I'm really excited that we have a new batch of uh, talent coming to the sport. And also just the appreciation that these young guys have for the sport. It helps continue on the... Uh, the drive for the industry as well and so these kids with the new technology and forward-facing sonar and side scan and all this you know stuff they're just they really jump on and master it really quick they do they do are you using all those things oh absolutely yeah a big shout to uh to lawrence you know lawrence has been on my boat for a long time and i would never do without him you know you have you have to have all the tools it's no different than having power poles in the back of your boat as well you've got to have all the the latest and greatest stuff to fish at this level and be competitive yeah because everybody else is using it and they're and they're all good with it and uh, you know i know the new schedules are going to come out for next year soon i is there anywhere that you don't want to see on that schedule or do you welcome new places oh i'm all about new places new adventures new challenges you know, but it is a kind of a fun mix. Like this last year, when you had six tournaments, and I think three of them were were brand new, and the other three were, you know, like I mean, I really look forward to lacrosse. Like you know, I've been to lacrosse before, for example. So it's fun to go somewhere you've been to before. But then, I mean, this year lacrosse was my my worst finish, but also it was still exciting to go lacrosse because it just it did change so much from how it was before. You know, and so. It makes it, uh, it makes it exciting to go somewhere new, you know, just to look forward to that challenge is, to me, is, is what really kind of, it's all about. Absolutely. Ron, we've got to take a uh, quick break for some uh, messages from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll talk about some more of yours and some more of the journey that you're on. 
This is the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection. St. Croix, Iowa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool, as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system, gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Iowa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and I am here with Ron Nelson. He is the Angler of the Year with the Tackle Warehouse Invitational. Welcome back, Ron. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. So you got uh, some other sponsors. You mentioned Lawrence. You mentioned Power Poles. Let's talk about your sponsors. Who keeps who keeps Ron Nelson on the water? Oh, it's a whole collection of uh, products and people that make it happen. Um, We'll start with like uh, Trick Step. I've known Mark Pfizer. He owns Trick Step. You know they make the steps for your boat that bolt onto your trailer. They can step into your boat. That makes it uh, really easy and convenient and safe to get it onto your boat at the boat launch and on dry land. Um, I've been with Ranger boats my entire fishing career at this point, and uh, Mercury as well. A big shout out to them. They make a great boat, great platform. You know you rely on Mercury to get you there and back every single day and it's been a, a fantastic motor to have behind my uh, my boat you know it goes under rod and reels and, and line like sunlight has been a part of my journey from uh, i mean i was actually paying for it for years and never reached out to them and you know, i just love their product so to actually be joined with them a little bit and to be able to you know get more of the product in my boat now and i mean you can hook all the fish you want but if you don't have good line you're not gonna get them in yeah. you know and so I've, that SC Sniper is probably my number one go-to line, time in and time out. You know, 13 Fishing has been a big part of my uh, fishing career as well. I've used their products, rods, reels, baits for several years now and absolutely love their product. They're, they're just innovative. They've always come up with just something a little bit better every year. And hats off to the guys on 13 Fishing because they've really worked hard and it's it's been a blessing to be a part of them, you know. This last year, I picked up uh, a local company here, Gates Automotive. They are a car dealership, and I'd say one of the best in the area, you know, with service and 
know, all my buddies have been buying trucks here for years and continue to buy trucks, and that kind of just worked out. It's first year deal with them, but they've uh, been great to be on board. And then ADI, they're a local um, jersey clothing company that's been a part of my journey the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so, if you guys need a jersey or shirts, t-shirts, look up ADI Apparel. And then DR Sport out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. That's my host, uh, Marina, the Van Dam family, of course. Everyone knows that name. Yep. What a fam- What a family, and I feel proud to uh, be a part of DR Sport and to represent them and help them sell boats there as well. They're about 45 minutes from my home, so, you know, just it, it's a real blessing to be that close to DR and have them right in my backyard. Yeah, yeah, they, you got a great lineup there, and and I'm sure they all appreciate you, and um, it certainly helps when you uh, yeah. get an angler of the year. Were there many other ones that you had to add to that? Or yeah, so, so, yeah, I mean, it's you know, like small stuff like Sims. I reached out to Sims this last year because I was tired of getting wet. <laughs> <laughs> different, different rain gear brands and stuff, and I bought a, a, a entry-level Sims, and I loved it, and so I was given the right contact to reach out to Sims, and they were, took care of me on some, on some rain gear this year. I tell you what, it made a big difference on just staying in the rain all day long. I don't care anymore. If I've got a Sims rain gear on my, you know, covering my body, I'm good. You know, they make an amazing product and, you know, glad to be, uh, wearing their, wearing their stuff, you know? Yeah. Got it. Got to have that. Uh, it, what about, uh, goals going forward here? What, what's, uh, is there an ultimate goal for for next season? Because yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, it's always you got you have to set goals to achieve them, you know. And so, like when I started this year off, I set the year off with wanting to achieve the angler of the year title again. There you go. And so, this next year on the Bass Pro Tour is going to be a whole different level of competition, and you know, format is a little bit different. You know, we still have a five fish limit, but it's going to be catch, wave, release. And it's going to be different periods and different elimination rounds and that kind of stuff. So it's a little different strategy as far as how to manage fish. But, you know, I'd love to set angle year as a goal again for next year to see how it all pans out. I mean, you, you've got to the goal. To have a, if you don't have a goal, then it's not going to happen. No, no. Super. You're not going to strive for something. So you have to strive for something. And so, you know, to be a part of the basketball tour next year should be a lot of fun. You know, hopefully, it can open some more doors for some more sponsorship deals to come into place because, you know, fishing is a very expensive sport. Like you said, it's a lot of travel and time away from home. And the better products you have on your boat and the better companies you have to align with, the better success you can have. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to next year bringing new and exciting things. Absolutely. Is it going to be a, a big advantage not to have to take care of the fish? They get weighed, they get put back, that you can. You can um, not worry about what's in the live well, not have to call. You just upgrade electronically by as they get weighed. You know, I tell you what, I've, my Ranger live wells, they have kept them fish healthy and frisky all these years. Never been an issue with fish care. So that's not an issue. It, but it will be different to just, you know, weigh that fish and let it go. I mean, I think that's a great idea for conservation you know, for the most part, it does help the, the fisheries to not really, you know, take those fish away from their habitat and move them miles away. But, uh, yeah, anytime you get something new, it takes a little bit of adjusting to get used to it. You know, same thing, you know, the landing violations. I'm sure I'll get some landing <laughs> violations. But, but I, don't, I don't mind those either because if you get those landing violations, it allows you kind of to mentally kind of reset and 
stop fishing for a minute. So sometimes I think those prizes are actually kind of good sometimes. Yeah, and uh, how much of the of the fishing game for you is mental? It's all mental. I mean, that's exactly, you know, what it's all about. It all starts up top between the ears. And so, you know, you've got to visualize how you catch them. you got to visualize, you know, your next move before you make it, you know, mentally. And so, and then if you have adversity where you lose a big fish or you have mechanical issues, you know, you've got to stay mentally uh, strong and uh, be able to keep on going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the, the at every level, the, the talent is so good anymore. It, it's, um, you got to pinch yourself for, you know, with a second AOI um, because the talent is, there's nobody there that's not as good as you. Most of them are better, it seems like. Every every level you fish, they're, they're all good. Yeah, I feel like I'm making a name for myself, you know, against the, uh, the better names in the industry. I mean, Michael Neal, I look at him as... Yeah the best, if not one of the best, or the best anglers in the country right now fishing, you know, the last, the last couple of years. And so, you know, to have him chasing me down for AOI and, you know, it would have been special for him to get the AOI because he'd have had it three years in a row, so that yeah. was a special deal for him. But it's also a special deal for me to get, you know, to get two of them. So, yes. you know, uh, you know, I've never looked at, like, me fishing against other anglers. I looked at, looked at more so I'm fishing against the fisheries, and try to figure out what they can give me. But in the, the day, you are fishing against other fishermen. Yes. When it's all said and done. Yep. But like you said, it is. You're fishing against the fish, figuring them out. And I've always thought that the the best day of practice you have is the day before the tournament starts, because that tells you what they're doing right now. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like this year at Potomac. I had a fantastic practice, and I knew the conditions were changing a lot. And we have an off day. And we had a big storm come through, and it ended up just trashing muddy and my water's all up and stuff. I just never caught the big fish that I was catching in practice. So the practice is practice. It doesn't really translate to a great tournament or a bad tournament necessarily. But as long as you're out there collecting the data and looking at your options, which you have on a given body of water so you can make those adjustments, you know what to look for, you know, it really helps. So you're in a tournament and it's a two- or three-day or the the first day of the tournament, is that – the first day of the practice for the next one? I mean, is that, do you, you learn stuff as you go all the time, I'd imagine. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the, the ideal situation, I think, for all fishermen in a turf situation is, is if you had, if you say, you know, 18 pounds is a fantastic weight on a given fishery and you catch 18 and a half, 19 pounds in the first hour or two, then you know, like, your job's already done for the day as far as, like, what you've caught. And your next job is to, practice for the next day in the next couple days and so the more time you can spend practicing and not having to worry about actually putting fish in the box is ideal absolutely will that mindset be different going where you're it's still five but you're catching and releasing and it, where you might have a day off in between on the next level oh, at the basketball yeah yeah it'll even be a lot more in play when you've got two groups a and b yeah got, you know elimination rounds that kind of stuff a lot of times you're not trying to win those days you're just trying to qualify and so once you get to a certain qualification weight the estimation with a fish at that point you're practicing and yep. so there's definitely a lot more of the practicing going on in that format if you're allowed to if you, if you actually catch them somewhat decent yeah absolutely I, I get it and Ron, I'm sure it's not going to be the last time we have you on the program, and I thank you for your time and uh, wish you the best of luck going forward on the Bass Pro Tour next year. And 
congratulate you again for your Angler of the Year Tackle Warehouse Invitational win. Uh, you'll be coming back on when we call you, right? Absolutely. Glad to be a part of your show, you know, and I tell you what, you know, fishing is such a fun sport, you know, at a tournament level, but also at the recreation level. Those people who are listening that, you know, are first-time fishermen potentially, you know, jump in, go to a bass club, you know, see a neighbor's got a bass boat or something, take, you know, just go fishing with somebody because the sport of fishing is just so much fun. And there's so many good things that can happen with our youth and such with the uh, young kids getting involved in the sport. You know, it's growing like wildfire and I hope it continues to grow. And you're helping do that by uh, leading them and showing them how good you are. Thank you for being on, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. No problem. That was Ron Nelson. Thanks again to my guest for another great episode of the We Fish ASA podcast. Thank you, Dan Johnson, for talking observations while you're fishing to help you catch more fish. Mark Hansen, hopefully you enlightened some college and high school students and some adults about how to be a good pro staffer excellent excellent segment and ron nelson angler of the year for major league fishing's tackle warehouse invitational awesome good for you look forward to watching you next year like to thank the proud industry members and american sport fishing association that brings you the we fish asa podcast calcutta an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors st croix rods the best rods on earth and Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. I am Dave Kranz, and I'm looking forward to bringing you the We Fish ASA podcast next week. Until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.